got out. He did what he said he would do. Okay, that's true. But the way he got out is the subject of worldwide debate. So in this speech, there were three elements, and we're going to play you three sound bites, all right? The first element was our evacuation from Afghanistan was a tremendous success. Roll the tape. The extraordinary success of this mission was due to the incredible skill, bravely, and selfless courage of the United States military and our diplomats and intelligence professionals. For weeks, they risked their lives to get American citizens, Afghans who helped us, citizens of our allies and partners and others on board planes and out of the country. And they did it facing a crush of enormous crowds seeking to leave the country. And they did it knowing ISIS-K terrorists, sworn enemies of the Taliban, were lurking in the midst of those crowds. So this was an extraordinary success, according to President Biden, because of all the things that he just told you. Well, who caused those things? Who caused the ISIS-K? That was you, Mr. President, because you abandoned Bagram and they, uh, Taliban, led all the uh, ISIS out of jail. That's you. Who caused the chaos at the airport? Well, that was you, um, because you could have used Bagram, a much more secure facility, and out of the Kabul nexus, but you didn't. You abandoned Bagram and used the civilian airport that had one less runway. So all of the things that he says are rather deceiving because the Biden administration caused all of the chaos at the end. They didn't have to do it that way. And this will nail down my point. Do you believe that in the years to come, any military evacuation course taught at West Point will use Afghanistan as the model? Do you? It was a screw up. It was not an extraordinary success. Second bite is the blame game. So the president blamed the Afghan army for folding and the Afghan government malfeasance and corruption. Blame them. But he also blamed Donald Trump. Go. My predecessor, the former president, signed an agreement with the Taliban to remove U.S. troops by May the 1st, just months after I was inaugurated. It included no requirement that Taliban work out a cooperative governing arrangement with the Afghan government. But it did authorize the release of 5,000 prisoners last year, including some of the Taliban's top war commanders, among those who just took control of Afghanistan. And by the time I came to office, the Taliban was in its strongest military position since 2001 controlling or contesting nearly half of the country. Now, that can be debated. I'm sure uh, former President Trump will have a reply to all of that. I'm not going to get into that today. Um, what I will tell you is what I reported last week when I spoke to Donald Trump. He said that he had an arrangement with the Taliban that no Americans would be harmed. OK, remember, 13 are dead under the Biden administration. 
that no Americans would be harmed, and that held for more than a year. No American casualties for more than a year. Okay? And he told me that he told the Taliban on the phone that he would kill them if they did what they did, took over the country, that he would hold them personally responsible and they would cease to exist because of drones. So, all right, uh, he's blaming Trump, he's blaming the Afghan people. Again, President Biden admits no mistake at all in this whole fiasco of getting out of there. I don't quibble with uh, leaving the war in Afghanistan, okay? But as you'll hear coming up with Senator Joseph Lieberman, the war in Afghanistan was over months ago. And it's an interesting point. But anyway, Mr. Biden says that we had no compelling interest to stay. He made no mistakes whatsoever. And here's how he wrapped it up. Go. I take responsibility for the decision. Now, some say we should have started mass evacuation sooner. And couldn't this have been done, have been done in a more orderly manner? I respectfully disagree. Okay, so there you have it. President did everything perfectly, all right? His own words were extraordinary success. You have eyes, I have eyes, all right? We know what we saw and what we will continue to see. There were options. Everyone knows that Bagram could have been kept, that a residual force of U.S. people and our allies could have been kept in Afghanistan. Those were options. Mr. Biden didn't want to do it. No compelling interest to do it, he said. So I think this is a fairly clear situation. You heard what the president said, and I reported it fairly. I'm not cheap-shotting him. I'm not deriding him. I disagree with him, but he had his say. He did nothing, zero. He and his administration made no mistakes in this evacuation whatsoever. They had an extraordinary success. Okay, so it is my job to present you with the best analysis I can. And that not only includes, that's not only me. That includes other people. So I searched around in my mind to find a guest after the president's speech who wouldn't cheap shot Mr. Biden, because that's easy. That's all day long. You're going to hear that for the next week or so. Okay, but somebody who really knows the turf and who knows Mr. Biden and who was once a vice presidential candidate for president. The man is Senator Joseph Lieberman. Now, he served 24 years. He retired in 2013, but he's still very active abroad. Knows everybody, okay? Been to Afghanistan, Middle East, all kinds of times. All right? He knows a lot more about Afghanistan than President Biden does. So joining us now from Riverdale, New York, is the aforementioned Senator Joseph Lieberman. Now, in my opinion, I've known you for decades. You know as much about the world, American foreign affairs, as anybody does. So if you were president in 2021, how would you have handled Afghanistan? (laughs) 
Well, thanks, Bill. First, I want to accept your nomination. That was really the easiest nomination I ever had. Uh, uh, it's a great question, and I, I would have handled it very differently. Uh, I believed uh, uh, for some years that, uh, uh, that, that we were actually no longer at war, we the U.S., in Afghanistan, that we were there fundamentally on a counterterrorism mission to stop Afghanistan from again being used as a, a base from which to attack us and our allies. And we were doing it very successfully, as you know, down to 2,500 troops from over 150,000 before. We were given kind of morale, backup support, some air cover, some intelligence to the Afghan uh, military and the government, and that was enough to keep them going and uh, to, to hold off the Taliban. So I, I think the decision um, made by President Biden uh, and contemplated by President Trump was essentially a, uh, a surrender to an enemy, the Taliban, that we had already defeated uh, and an invitation to exactly the kind of chaos that has occurred in Afghanistan over the last several weeks. And, okay. and it hasn't. Now, this has uh, evolved from the Trump administration and the former president told me that he wanted to pull out for two reasons. Number one, that he didn't want uh, American service people over there and in, in any danger at all. And number two, that he didn't believe the billions of dollars that we had to spend to keep anybody there was worth it, that we didn't get as much intel uh, to justify that kind of expenditure. But he also told me that he would never, ever have pulled out the way that President Biden did. And if the Taliban violated the agreement and he were still president, he would have attacked the Taliban militarily. So that's President Trump's story. President, President Biden's story is that the American people demanded that everybody be pulled out of there and it was his mandate to do it. Do you buy that? I don't buy it. I mean, I, I never buy uh, conducting American foreign policy or national security based on public opinion polls. You're elected to be the commander in chief. You gotta do what you yourself think is uh, best for our, our country's security. But listen, President Biden believed uh, for a long time now that we should be out of Afghanistan. And uh, uh, I, I never, I didn't get it because I, uh, it, listen, last year, General Jack Keane, the former vice chief of the army, and I wrote an open letter to President Trump and, and really the uh, same thing to President Biden. Don't, don't pull out because uh, you, you're going to have to reconstitute that counterterrorism mission that you've got now at, at, in Afghanistan. Is it costly? It is. Is it worth it? For our security, I believe it is. You know, there was an interesting story, never denied by the Biden administration, that uh, at the meeting that President Biden held with President Putin of Russia in June, Biden uh, told Putin that he hoped to essentially reconstitute America's counterterrorism center in Central Asia from Afghanistan to a neighboring uh, friendly country. And Putin said, no way. And uh, I'm afraid Biden uh, withdrew the plan. Well, that, that shows you why what we've been doing in Afghanistan, and even Biden, I think, understood it as he got closer to the actual pullout from Afghanistan, was really important to our security. Uh, I hope the Afghans, the Taliban changes, but... Uh, they're, they're not going to change, Both you and I in our lifetime know they're not going to change, and terrorism will ramp up out of Afghanistan. Now, you made a very, very important and I think brilliant point. And I'm not just 
blowing smoke at you. The Afghan war had really ended. There hadn't been an American casualty in more than a year. Now, part of that was because of Trump. Trump told the Taliban on the phone that if they attacked Americans, he was going to kill them, them personally with drones. And because of what happened to al-Baghdadi and Soleimani, they believed him. However, once Biden took over, then it seems to me that there was no one in charge of drawing down and closing it up because it's incomprehensible that you would abandon Bagram Air Force Base. And both you and I have been there. We know how big it is and how secure it is. They're holding a thousand ISIS prisoners there. All right. And you got Buku American arms all over the place. You abandon it. For what reason? Why? Why would you do that ever? I don't understand it. Has anybody given you a reason? No good reason. The only only good reason, and it's a terrible reason, is that maybe this is what they thought would please the Taliban. But what what are I mean that's the Taliban are our enemy. Come on, wake up folks. They've been trying to kill us. And they have killed a lot of us for a long time. Uh, uh, so w- the years ahead are full of danger for us. But you're absolutely right. Bagram became a, really a first-class airport. Outside of all the urban congestion of Kabul, it would have been a place for a, a much better, smoother, safer evacuation. Yeah, and you, were, and you could like, have shipped those ISIS prisoners out of there to other prisons around the world. Now, the other thing that drives that absolutely drives me crazy, I don't know one NATO nation or one American ally, and maybe you do, that thinks Biden did a good job in getting out of Afghanistan. Is there one country in the world that thinks he did a good job that you know of? <laughs> Nobody who's an ally of ours. I'm sure the Iranians are happy at how he did, the Chinese and the Russians are, because it mortified and embarrassed and weakened the United States. But it, it's a really, your, your point is a really good one, Bill, because we've been used to for a long time thinking, you know, we're the leaders, and we dragged the Europeans and our NATO allies along. Here, they were much more on target about what we should do than uh, President Biden and his administration were, because they didn't, it, it, all along, they, they wanted more time to evacuate, you know, I want to come back to your point. I, I, I've made it clear. I, I didn't agree with the whole idea of uh, withdrawing from uh, Afghanistan. But if you're going to decide to do it, I mean, come on. We're, we have more competence than that. It was, it was just a, a disaster, chaos. Nobody really planned. And then all along, uh, we kept yielding to the Taliban. You don't want us to be involved in the evacuation after August 31st, even though we've told you. United States of America, strongest country in the world, that we want to get this done and do it after the 31st. Okay, if that's what you say, we're getting out on the 31st. You can't be a safe nation, or let alone a great nation, if you start yielding uh, and knuckling under to terrorists like the Taliban, who, who are and, and always will be. All right, I've saved my toughest question for last, Senator, and I and I, I'm sorry I have to ask you this question. I, I as an As an American, I'm sorry I have to ask this question. You have known Joe Biden up close and personal for decades. Is he a diminished man in your opinion? Well, frankly, uh, I haven't uh, spent time with him in the last year or so, so I can't tell you personally. I just think that um, 
the Biden that I see in the White House is not the Biden I served with all those years. And what I mean is he's, he's let himself be uh, pulled along well, domestically by the left wing of the party, which will take America and the Democratic Party uh, nowhere good. And on something like this, now, you know, really on foreign policy, he and I disagreed that we remain friends a lot. I think he's been wrong on Afghanistan uh, for, for a long time. And uh, here he had the opportunity to implement that uh, wrong policy with disastrous consequences for the Ameri our security and the loss of life of American soldiers and uh, just terrible things ahead for Afghanistan. So, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about it. I, I am. I don't, I don't think he's diminished per se. I don't, I don't know enough to say that, but, but I think he's made some big mistakes, and this is probably the biggest of all since he's been president. Incidentally, Bill, one last word. He's got more self-interest than anybody else. He's been very defensive, a few times acknowledging the heartbreak with everything happening in Afghanistan. He's really got to do what President Kennedy did after the Bay of Pigs and do a tough, no-holds-barred internal investigation of, even if you assume that he won't change his mind about withdrawing, how did the evacuation get so screwed up? And if he finds people wanting who are around him, he better let them go and get a better team, and he better think about his own behavior in the next crisis. I wrote somewhere in an article that if this was a parliamentary democracy, uh, the Biden government after Afghanistan would probably fall. Yeah, it would have but fallen. But it's not. Yeah, no he's, got three and a half right. he's got three and a half years, and, and he better make sure that he's ready for those three and a half years and that he can give the country the kind of leadership it deserves. Yeah, I have no confidence in that. Hey, Senator, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. It's very good to see you. You're looking very you well. Too, Bill. And I, and I hope we can talk again soon. Thank you very much. Me too. God bless. All right, so I was watching, as many of you did, uh, the uh, bodies uh, coming to Delaware, Dover, from Afghanistan, the 13 American service people killed on Thursday. And I was angry. I was, I, I, it was, yes, I was sad, but the overwhelming emotion I felt was anger because that didn't have to happen. And we all know that. This wasn't inevitable. It wasn't a firefight. It wasn't the United States involved in combat. This was a colossal screw up by the commander in chief, President Biden. So there he is, along with Jill, um, and uh, he's got a mask on. Okay, so why? Why does he have a mask on? He's vaccinated. They're outside. Now, to me, that showed weakness. I know he wants to be politically correct, but I'm, I'm kind of tired of the PC, aren't you? So he shouldn't have had the mask on. That's a little thing, but it's not a little thing. I mean, this guy is just, he's inappropriate. You want inappropriate? He looks at his watch while the coffins pass him by. Put that up. Look at him. You got somewhere else better to go, Joe? You got to look at your watch? Is it taking too long? I mean, what is that? Who does that? I'll tell you who does. Somebody who's disassociated with reality. That's who does it. Now, you might say, oh, you're being picky and, and, and you, you know, I'm not. You're standing there watching fallen service people come in back 
when their families are broken hearted and you're looking at your watch? Think back in your life. Did you ever do anything that inappropriate? I have not. So anyway, I mean, this guy, and I hope you read my column. If you read one column of mine this entire year, read this. All right. I told the truth about Joe Biden. Now, I'm a guy who gives people a chance. You all know that. I'm not a quick on the trigger kind of guy. But it's over for me and Mr. Biden. He's not going to make a comeback. Please read the column. All right. So um, after the terrible display of fallen service people coming back from Afghanistan, Biden segues into Hurricane Ida, as he should. Okay, that's part of his job. All right. Now, there are reporters there. Roll the tape. So thank you very much, and thank you, Commissioner. I, I really think it all works. I'm not, I'm not supposed to take any questions, but go ahead. Mr. President, on I'm not going to answer Afghanistan now. Okay. Okay, so not answering questions about Afghanistan? What, are you kidding me? This is absurd. Insulting to we the people. It's insulting. Now, I know I'm the boss, I'm the commander in chief, I'm the leader of the nation, but don't ask me about Afghanistan. (laughs) It's incredible. It really is incredible. Polling, Uh, an ABC News poll, this is rigged. All right, Democrat 31, Republican 24. Once you see that disparity, you know it's a rigged poll. Independent 36, Question was simple. Do you approve or disapprove the way Joe Biden is handling Afghanistan? Approve 38 percent. Disapprove 59. There is no way that 38 percent of Americans approve of how Biden is handling Afghanistan. That is not true. But if you if you poll, okay, 7 percent more Democrats, you will get people who know nothing All right. And there will be no balance to it. But almost 40 percent of Americans. Hey, yeah, yeah, Joe, you're doing a really great job in Afghanistan. Come on. Everything is expensive these days. You know that the government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its free fall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. All right, so one guy who uh, actually uh, helped 
and I mentioned him top of the broadcast, is Glenn Beck. So he runs an outfit called the Nazarene Fund. It's a charity that helps Christians all over the world who are persecuted. So Beck was over in the Middle East. I talked to him on Friday on his radio show. He was in an undisclosed location. Um, and he joins us now from a disclosed location in northern Texas. All right, so Beck, tell, tell us what you did over there and if you can, where you were and all that. I can't tell you where we were. First, let me make a correction. We don't just save persecuted Christians. We, we um, save persecuted minorities. Uh, the press is trying to smear us that we're only saving Christians. First of all, not true. Uh, second of all, the Nazarene Fund was originally set up. The first group we went after were the Yazidis that we tried to get out, and we did get out um, of Syria and Iraq. Um, and we have moved non-Christians uh, as well in this. We were just trying to help, and we put together a coalition, or were part of a coalition, I should say, um, the Save Our Allies Coalition, which includes the Monty Oaks Foundation and others, and um, we got as many people as we can. The total number, and this is an exclusive for you, the total number of the eight days of lifts, and we're not done yet, the first eight days between Save Our Allies Coalition and the Nazarene Fund was uh, 8,911 uh, that were moved directly um, uh, from the, the Kabul airport to an undisclosed location. We are also re relocating the first group of 2,000 uh, refugees now to Albania. Um, and uh, that brings our total up to about 12,000 uh, refugees saved. And now we I go through a seven-point... Seven go ahead. I understand Beck listeners donated about $32 million for this effort. Is that true? That's amazing. It was amazing. Uh, it was amazing. And, you know, one of the bigger donations, Bill, was yours. Um, but it came in in tens, twenties, hundreds. Uh, it, it is an amazing effort. I don't know, and you said this to me, I don't know of another radio show audience that has ever done anything like this. We didn't get any press on it. We're not looking for press. We're just trying to do the right thing. And this audience responded like nobody's business, $32 million. Yeah, the um, press doesn't want to say anything good about you or me or anybody who isn't woke. Uh, and we know the corruption that exists. Now, you had to coordinate some of this, I would think, with American authorities, you know, the State Department. Tell us about that. Um, because we're in continuing operations, um, there could be a book, and gee, there might be one, uh, calling Killing the State Department. Um, the State Department was the biggest obstacle for anyone who was trying to move refugees. Um, they Quite honestly, they have blood on their hands. Uh, I know of 400 uh, that were inside of the gates that, that Save Our Coalition, uh, Save Our Allies Coalition brought in, had inside the gates. The State Department bitched about it. They were all there legitimately. Everybody had been vetted. They bitched about it because they were, quote, in the way. Uh, they were kicked out uh, of the Abbey Gate and unfortunately, we told them, stay close to the gate because this is going to be reversed. Before it was reversed, that was the gate that was bombed. Um, and we don't know how many were lost, uh, but a good 
number of them, I'm guessing, were lost. Oh, my God. So it's bureaucracy once again, apathy on a part of the State Department. How would you you describe it? We talked about this a lot, Bill, and it's beyond apathy. Um, They were actually obstructing, in many cases, obstructing. They would give us permission to uh, land the plane and revoke it at the last minute. They gave us what are called dip clearances. I don't even understand what all of it is, but dip clearances, it allows you to land the plane, come back and get out. Um, That is quite a process with this State Department. They would um, make us wait for dip clearances um, and then give it to us an hour after they expired. How is that even possible? Um, they, they are incompetent at best, evil at worst. Um, many of the people working in the coalition have said separate from us that they were the biggest obstruction in Afghanistan. That and the White House. And the White House was coordinating directly with the State Department. It's shameful, shameful. And they have blood on their hands. Now, do you think this is low-level people inside the State Department and the White House, or is this at the top with Blinken, the Secretary of State, and Biden? Yeah, no, he, I mean, he was at the Hamptons, Bill. I mean, Blinken. you weren't running the State Department, and you had your scheduled vacation. He is running the State Department, and he takes his scheduled vacation? What? That's insanity. It's insanity what's going on. I don't—it could be low-level people. There was enough— incompetence, absolute incompetence, that a lot of it can be blamed on on that. Um, However, not all of it can be. Um, The higher levels were obstructing. We had an ambassador called in Albania. We were getting ready to move a flight of uh, people to Albania. uh, And the ambassador was called by the US State Department and told not to take any of those refugees. Why? Why is that their business? That's not their business, is it? They're not U.S. citizens. It's a weird thing, and I don't really understand it, Bill. It's a weird thing because we had, quite honestly, uh, I shouldn't say, we had very many Western countries that were ready to take these uh, people. And because the State Department started to say, don't take these planes, don't take these refugees, that leads these countries to believe that they're not vetted. And I guarantee you, our people were more vetted than anybody that got onto a military plane. I can guarantee you, they tried to stuff people onto our planes and we took them, but quickly marched them back over to the State Department people so they were not confused with ours. Our planes were taken off and we said, we can't take anybody without papers. We don't know who these people are. We can't do it. Put them on the plane or you're grounded. Okay. That's a, it's an amazing, but it really isn't when you think about the, the big picture, when you have a president of the United States who's basically checked out. And that is what I believe. Do you, this is an important question. If you read my column and I know you follow, follow me. I do. He's checked out. By the way, I'm sick of people. I'm sick of people saying that they miss you on TV. I'm watching you on TV, just that's a new right. way of TV. And it's, but that's a whole number thing. And they're, they're addicted to the, the cable. But look, yeah. he's checked out and he's not going to check back in. All right. So he's gone. It's almost like an apparition. I mean, who checks his watch when 
coffins are, are going by you, that you're you're there, your own people, you're the commander in chief. Who and takes I think the watch? you always I think you always show his schedule. It's usually not that busy. It's not like uh oh. <laughs> Every day, there, I mean, you got one you or two things, right? Land airplanes of refugees into it. Here's the thing, Bill. When you go over the number of Blackhawks, we left 33 Blackhawks. We left almost 70,000 uh, machine guns. Uh, we left Humvees. We left um, armored personnel carriers. We left C-141 transport planes, and they're in the hands of the Taliban. I'm sorry. But the first priority should have been, if they're abandoned, take a drone and blow those things up. We've just armed the Taliban with Black Hawk helicopters. It is a staggering, staggering piece of history. Because I was going back on the radio today, on my radio broadcast, and I said, in my lifetime, Vietnam, giant screw up. I mean... Talk about nobody in charge and lying to the American people. And the poor draftees and military are caught there, and they're not even fighting the war to win. All right? And everybody knows that. It's documented. So that's number one. Number two, Jimmy Carter at the hostages where Iran humiliates the United States of America. That was the end of Jimmy Carter, right there. And remember, the day that Reagan was sworn in, the Iranians released those hostages. The yes. very day. Because they yes. knew that Reagan was going to punish them. And now this is the third in my lifetime. The third. Now, Biden is never going to escape the shadow as much as a corrupt corporate media is going to try to divert attention away. He'll never escape the shadow. So in a perverse way, Beck, this might be a good thing for the country because it just knocks him and his whole crew out of any credibility box. Or am I wrong? Oh, I, I don't know anymore, Bill. I, don't, I can't predict the American people. I would think so, but how long are we going to remember this? And the other side of it is Kamala Harris. No, I know, but leave, I mean, leave her aside for now, all right? Okay. If you have a, a, a president this diminished, this delusional, I would say anybody would be better. Um, I would. I will say this, Bill. I, I will say at least he wouldn't be a scapegoat for what's really going on. I mean, he's not running his presidency, so no. who is? Uh, I don't know. You know, he may have run this one because it looks like it was run by somebody with dementia. Um, but uh, Susan, I, I would like you, this I one. would like somebody accountable because these people are not going to hold anybody accountable. But it's interesting, Bill that in the, in the last days of the Trump administration, they made it easier, the Democrats made it easier to remove the president in diminished capacity. Sure. Well, they're not going to remove him, though. That's not going to happen. What will happen is there'll be an overwhelming landslide for the Republicans in the midterms, I predict. All right. And then all hell could break loose on Biden. Unfortunately, tech difficulties, um, and we lost Beck. But the Nazarene Fund, as he mentioned, I, I did give a donation to it because I think it's very worthy. And you can reach them. It's very simple. The Nazarene Fund, one word, dot org. The Nazarene Fund dot org. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before, and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. All right, let's get to COVID. According to Bloomberg, and that news agency is okay, not top of the line, but it's okay. They say COVID is slowing. I predicted that would happen, but I'm not sure that the Bloomberg report is accurate. All right, so uh, there are more vaccinations. In July, the average was about 500,000 a day, all right, vaccinations. Now it's 900,000, an 80% increase. And that's because a lot of people aren't going to be able to go to work uh, if they're not vaccinated. So because there are more vaccinated Americans, the rate of COVID looks like it's coming down. Seven-day average of New Delhi hospital admissions fell 2%, all right, uh, last week. First drop since June 27th. Now, I hope I'm right. I hope the more Americans get vaccinated, the fewer cases we will have. I think I am right. I think I'll be able to report to you in a month, on October 1st, that it's subsided dramatically. Um, But deaths of the last two weeks from COVID deaths up 93% over the previous two weeks. So this Delta variant is vicious and it spreads very quickly. Consumer confidence falling to a six-month low, that's obvious. I mean, if you're restrained in certain areas of the country from doing business, from going out, consumer confidence will wane. Now, here's an interesting story. One of the countries that really got hammered by COVID is Ireland. Okay, and I was supposed to go there in June of 2020. And my trip was canceled. I go every two years to Ireland. Now, Ireland is opening on October 22nd across the board. Okay, pubs are opening, no mask mandate, no vax mandate, nothing. Whole country's opening for business. And they have really suffered. There are five million. Irish in the Republic, okay? They've suffered because tourism is everything there. Now, why are they reopening? What's going on there that's different? 90% of the Irish people, of the 5 million, 90% are vaccinated. So the transmission rate, the hospitalization, the death, way, way, way down. Now, if that doesn't prove the efficiency of the vaccine, nothing does. All right, so I thought you'd like to know that. I'm going to Ireland next June, 22, 
Um, looking forward to it. One of the best places on earth, even if you're not Irish. Um, 90% Irish vaccinated. Ida. So in Louisiana, million residents still without power. Mississippi, about 37,000 out without power. New Orleans, no power, no gas, no water. Wow. Big easy. Um, death toll six so far. So Ida's up here now in the Northeast. Uh, it's just raining basically up here. Um, and these storms, you know, they've been with us since the dawn of America. Right? And storms will always be here. You know, to blame them on global warming, uh, you know, I don't know. All right, New York City is a mess. Um, most of you know that and aren't going to come here, but you should know how bad it is. So the five district attorneys and one of them, Michael McMahon in Staten Island, there are five boroughs in New York City. McMahon's doing a good job. But the other four, Melinda Katz, Queens, Cy Vance, Manhattan, Eric Gonzalez, Brooklyn, Darcel Clark, the Bronx, not prosecuting anybody. 6,500 accused felons were let go. They dropped the cases. 6,500 so far this year. Um, I mean, it's crazy. I'm sorry, last year. 6,500 last year, 2020. And they say COVID, but those 6,500, a good percentage of them are violent people. And they're back out on the street. 6,500 wound prosecute. Uh, murder up 47%. Um, shooting up 166% New York City. And the Department of Ed in New York City wants to do away with honor rolls because they are, quote, detrimental to students not making the grade. Quote, the DOE wants schools to widen recognition to include contributions to the school or wider community and demonstrations of social justice and integrity. So academics. Now, my tuition were both on the National Honor Society. OK, and now in New York City, they want to do away with that. Is that fair? Really? Oh. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you, and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Time now for the final thought of the day. I thought long and hard about telling you this because my conversations with all politicians are off the record when they call me. I don't call them. So before I left on vacation, I did have a conversation with Donald Trump because we have the uh, Trump shows coming up in December, and that's closing in fast, and we're going to begin marketing those shows in late September. And it's going to be a pretty sophisticated marketing effort in Florida and Texas, Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, uh, Houston, Dallas, in December. So, you know, we're coordinating uh, how we're going to do it. 
In the body of their conversation, the president asked my opinion on Afghanistan, and this is what I told him. I said, um, it's a giant screw up. But if I were you, Mr. President, I always call him Mr. President, I wouldn't say too much, a little bit. And if I wanted to go and make a point, I'd do it on Hannity, because that's a high visibility uh, situation. But I would let it play out. Okay, don't inject yourself into the story. Let President Biden deal with it. And at the end, we'll see what happens. Now, this was three weeks ago, maybe four. And we absolutely have seen what happened. So for perhaps the first time, I think Donald Trump took my advice because he appeared on Hannity and then he appeared with Greg Kelly on Newsmax and then he did some radio. Hugh Hewitt and uh, Breitbart, and, and I think he did Hannity Radio, too. That's it. So I think he listened to me. Now, in the Trump-O'Reilly history tour, Afghanistan, right here. Unless there's something else that happened, it might be the lead. Because I want to know everything that happened, and I'll get it. If you want to see the shows, go to BillOReilly.com. We'll pop you right over to the box offices.